right. Welcome in and welcome back to the Running Hoops podcast. This is our season preview series. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by Super Chicks, the home of the last true chicken sandwich. Visit their website for their menu and locations at superchicks.com. And remember, it's chicks with an X.com. The 2022-2023 season is just days away, and so it's time to knock out some season previews. On this episode, we head to Oregon to preview the Ducks and the Beavers, and I ask you folks out there, who else is going to give you 10 minutes on Oregon State? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But first, I want to remind you that you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Running Hoops. You can subscribe on Apple or Spotify or anywhere you, you get a podcast. And you can also rate and review the show on Apple and Spotify. That helps a ton. But let's get right into it. We're actually going to start with Oregon State because I'm not sure folks would stick around for the second part of the podcast if we didn't. Although you are always welcome to use your fast forward button, I suppose. Here's how this is going to work for each team. I'm going to give you a basic info. I'm going to give you three names you know, three names you should know. We'll hit some major storylines and key questions for each team. I'll give you a breakout candidate. And then finally, we'll take a look at the schedule and where these teams are picked in the Pac-12 this year. So we head to Corvallis for the Oregon State Beavers. And I hope that you appreciate that I've typed out two pages worth of notes on these guys and how difficult a task that is. So last year, not a good year. They finished 12th in the league. With a record of three and twenty-eight, they were one and nineteen, and I don't have to remind you who the one was. They had no postseason, obviously. They're coached by Wayne Tinkle, who is in his eighth season in Corvallis. He's one sixteen and one thirty-seven, fifty-three and ninety-five in the Pac-12. And prior to last season, he signed an extension that takes him through twenty twenty-seven as the head coach at Oregon State, though I think the buyout is actually pretty small, all things considered. They lost 82% of their point production from a year ago, which means they're only returning 18% of their point production from last year. I think that's the lowest in the Pac-12. Their preseason Ken Palm number is 228, and bracketology, no, 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 no. All right, here are three names you know, and I should point out that there are only three returning players to this team, so that's who you're going to get. Glenn Taylor, the sophomore guard, was highly recruited when he landed at Oregon State and amazingly decided to stay despite the rough season last year. Even though he's just in his second year in Corvallis, he'll likely be one of the leaders on the team and is one of the guys that they're going to rely on to take a big step forward. Dexter Akano. The junior guard has the most returning starts of anybody at 17, but he only averaged five points per game. And then Rodrigue Endela, who only played in seven games last year before being sidelined with an injury for the rest of the season. He's a big body, 6'8", 250, and he had 16 in their loss to Wake Forest a year ago before getting injured and shutting it down for the year. So again, you know, you've got some players here. But obviously, a ton of turnover. And when you talk about names you should know, that's a long list, but I only picked three. So here we go. Christian Wright, the Georgia transfer, is the only incoming player with any legit D1 experience 
and he's hurt right now. But if he can play, I suspect he'll have an impact for Oregon State. Justin Rochellen, the former four-star transfer from Arizona State, was really highly touted coming out of high school, but he redshirted last year at ASU, jumps in the portal, ends up in Corvallis. He figures to be an immediate contributor for Oregon State. And then Chol Marial, who was a transfer from Maryland, he was actually declared ineligible by the NCAA about halfway through last season. He's 7-2 and had some big-time offers out of high school, and plus I've done a lot of talking about Oregon State's guards, and so we got to get a couple of bigs in there. So Mariel, Rodriguez, and Della, they're probably going to start in the front court for Oregon State. When you look at their schedule, it's terrible. And it's terrible, I think, intentionally, right? You win three games a year ago, and you're going to do some things to try to build some momentum back and put some wins in the win column. The first big test that they're going to have is their MTE. They're in the Phil Knight Legacy, and they open against Duke. If you're religious at all, you may want to pray for Oregon State in that one. That could be ugly in a hurry. They then would get Xavier or Florida, and it would certainly be interesting to see Sean Miller go against a Pac-12 team so early in his second stint at Xavier, but we'll just have to see on that one. And then one of Portland State, Gonzaga, Purdue, or West Virginia. So barring a miracle, it'll be Portland State, which means they'll actually play them twice this year. So there's that. Then on December 11th, they have a return game of a home-and-home at Texas A&M, and that's really it. The rest of their non-conference schedule is not very good at all. They are in Salt Lake on January 5th and host Utah on January 26th. And as I've said before, Craig Smith and company would do really well to not lose to Oregon State this year. So what are the key questions and storylines for Oregon State heading into this season? Well, how long can Wayne Tinkle ride the Elite Eight run from two years ago? As I mentioned before, his buyout is actually pretty reasonable, but are you going to do better than him? I don't know. You can probably go cheaper than Wayne Tinkle just from some up-and-coming coaches in that region like Portland or Eastern Washington, but I don't think we're there quite yet. But the question really is, is how much goodwill did that build up for him? I mean, we saw what Larry's Sweet 16 run did for him. So, you know, I think he's still got a little bit of wiggle room there at Oregon State. But will they be the anchor of the league? I think that's my big question, right? They begin the season at 228 in the Ken Palm. And let me read you some teams in their neighborhood. Queens College, which is in their first year in Division I men's basketball. Oakland, Niagara, Ball State, ETSU, that's Eastern Tennessee. If they stay in this range, they're going to be a quad four game again for the second straight season, which essentially does nothing for you if you beat them, home or away. But if you lose to them, you can pretty much consider your season over. Now, if they can show a pulse this year, maybe they drift into Q3 territory, which is still not great but better than Q4, I suppose. And then to that end, will they show a pulse? They've brought in 12 new guys to go along with the three that they return. And if anything, you could say that Oregon State is the land of opportunity for anyone who goes there. There are plenty of minutes to go around and plenty of opportunities to get yours, as it were. Who's the breakout candidate on this team? Well, look, you could probably go 1 through 15, because we don't really have much of a great idea of what the depth chart's going to look like. But I think it's Glenn Taylor. He should be the best player on the team. 
you know, despite all these new additions, and he averaged nearly seven points per game as a freshman a year ago. And even in a lot of the offseason content that you see from Oregon State, he's really emerging as a leader on this team. And he certainly is in that mold of guys that can go get a bucket when you need them to. So Glenn Taylor, my breakout player for Oregon State. And then where were they picked? It's a clean sweep. Pac-12 has them at 12. CBS Sports has them at 12. ESPN has them at 12. The Almanac has them at 12. And yes, the Running Hoops podcast also has them at 12. One other note on Oregon State, you may remember that former Running Ute assistant and interim head coach, Kerry Rupp, has been an assistant there for a number of years. He is no longer with Oregon State. I'm actually not sure where he is, but he is not with Oregon State. So there you have it. We will visit Eugene up next right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Are you so excited for the college basketball season that you can't sleep? Well, I might have a solution for you. Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight helps you invest in your rest. Their premium pillows and bedding products will change your life without emptying your wallet. Go to pillow-fight.com to check them out and enter the promo code RUNNINHOOPS at checkout for 20%. That's right, 20% off your first purchase. Again, that website, pillow-fight.com, that promo code RUNNINHOOPS. All right, well, hopefully you're still with me and you're still listening, but let's drive about 47 miles to the south to Eugene and let's talk about the Oregon Ducks. Last year, they finished fifth in the league, with a record of 20 and 15, they were 11 and 9 in league play. In the postseason, they made it to the second round of the NIT. They are coached by Dana Altman, one of the elder statesmen in the Pac 12. He's been there 12 years and he has a record of 3124 at Oregon with a Pac 12 record of 143 and 75. They lost just over 51% of their point production from a year ago, and so they're returning about 49% of their point production from a season ago. Their preseason Ken Palm ranking is 29. They are ranked in the preseason AP poll at number 21, and in the latest bracketology, they have been projected as a six seed. So Joe Lenardi has them back in the NCAA tournament. Here are three names you know. Will Richardson. The returning senior figures to be a big part of Oregon getting back into the top third of the Pac-12 and into the NCAA tournament. He averaged 14.1 points per game to go along with 3.6 rebounds and 3.7 assists per game. Quincy Garrier, the former Syracuse transfer, also returns for the Ducks, having averaged 10.1 points per game and 5.8 rebounds. He started all 35 games last year for Oregon and figures to be a big part of the offense, and a big part of the leadership piece of this team. And then Keyshawn Bartholomew. Now, usually newcomers to the team fall into the names you should know category, but Bartholomew was a big part of Colorado's backcourt last year, averaging 11.1 points per game. So between Bartholomew and Richardson, the Ducks' backcourt will be very, very solid this season. Now, here are three names you should know. Jermaine Cousinard. The South Carolina transfer joined the Ducks after being the Gamecocks' leading scorer a year ago, averaging 12 points per game, so he's going to infuse some scoring into this Oregon team. Then you've got Kalel Ware, the five-star true freshman, figures to have an impact in the Ducks' front court. 
that was seriously lacking a year ago and lost Frank Kepnang to Washington. And then the third one was kind of tough for me, but I went with Rivaldo Suarez. Suarez joined the Ducks last year after being one of the top players in junior college the previous year. And with a year of Division I basketball under his belt, Suarez could improve on his 18 minutes per game and 4.7 points per game. But I could have gone in a number of directions there because the Ducks, as we all know, do not lack for talent. As far as their schedule goes, a couple of real interesting games and opportunities for the Ducks this year. They host Houston on November 20th in Eugene, and that was a Houston team that knocked out Arizona last year in the NCAA tournament, and they will certainly be a tough out again this year. Oregon is on the other side of the Phil Knight MTE. They're in the Phil Knight Invitational. They will open against UConn, so Dana Altman gets to go up against both Hurley brothers this season. you got to wonder how many times that happens in a given season where a coach gets to play two brothers. After that, they'll get Alabama or Michigan State, and then one of Iowa State, UNC, Portland, or Villanova. And I think they would be certainly disappointed if Portland was the team that they got out of those four. They're expecting big things this year. On December 4th, they go to UCLA and... They swept that road trip last year with an inferior team. So it's going to be interesting to see what Oregon can do with a big road test early on this season. That stretch from November 20th against Houston to December 4th against UCLA is going to go a long ways towards determining Oregon's tournament resume. They're at Utah on January 7th, and they host the running Utes just three weeks later on January 28th. Now, what are some key storylines or questions for the Ducks heading into this season? Will they challenge for the top spot in the league? They're a consensus top four team in the Pac-12 heading into this season, but can they challenge UCLA and Arizona for the league's top spot? Can they get back into the NCAA tournament? Last year was clearly a step back year for Oregon, but it was seemingly the exception, not the rule. So can Dana Altman get this team dancing once again? And then who will step up in the front court? They've got a number of guys that they can turn to, including Enfali Dante, Kellel Ware, and Nathan Biddle, another former five-star. How will those minutes be distributed in the front court? And who's going to step up and really take that role for Oregon? Now, the breakout candidate this season somebody who averaged less than 10 points per game a season ago, it's Kellel Ware. The true freshman five-star was ranked seventh in the 24-7 sports rankings coming into the season and has been mocked in the first round of the 2023 NBA draft. If he is to realize that potential, I suspect it will be with a big freshman season, and so he is my breakout candidate for Oregon this season. Now, where were they picked? The Pac-12 media picked them third, and they got three first-place votes. CBS Sports picked them third as well. The ESPN Roundtable had them in a three-to-five range, but all but one person had them at three. So nearly unanimous. The Almanac has them number two in the Pac-12 and also has Dana Altman as the coach of the year in the Pac-12. And then my pick is number two. I really Really like the Ducks to have a bounce back year. The combination of the guys they've got returning, Dana Altman as the coach, and some of the other attrition from other top teams in the league. I think Oregon is really poised to have a nice season there 
in Eugene. All right, so that is a look at Oregon and Oregon State, two teams that Utah will play four times combined in the month of January. It'll be interesting to see where all of the teams are at that point, but that's going to do it for this season preview. I want to thank you as always for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Running Hoops. You can find us wherever you get a podcast and rate and review the show on Apple and Spotify. But until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Running Hoops podcast. And as always, go Utes.